This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. And Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. But abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. And neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, it is he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. And by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. The Gospel of the Lord. I want to take that as my text this morning from John's Gospel, chapter 15. If you have a New Testament handy, I want to invite you to turn there. John chapter 15, that's the fourth of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John chapter 15 and beginning at verse 1. And this morning I want to talk on, on the subject of spiritual fruitfulness. Spiritual fruitfulness. And we're talking when we're talking uh, on the subject of spiritual fruitfulness uh, to a group uh, of people in the church or to a group like yourselves who've logged in uh, for a live stream like this. We might imagine that everyone is interested in spiritual fruitfulness. Uh, but uh, and this is our first point, the first point that I'd like to make. Not everyone is spiritually fruitful. Now that Jesus is the vine, the, 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 the true vine, of course, is a metaphor. Uh, and we were talking about a metaphor last week when we talked about Jesus, the good shepherd. But here we have another metaphor. Indeed, Jesus is not literally a grapevine. Uh, and this, as we mentioned last week, uh, and it applies again uh, this week, um, that uh, this is uh, one of the I am uh, statements, one of Jesus' famous I am statements, uh, as we have them in the Gospel of John. In fact, in chapter 6, Jesus says uh, that uh, he is the bread of life. And then in chapter 8, that he is the light of the world. In chapter 10, as we looked last week, that he is the good shepherd. In chapter 11, that he's the resurrection and the life. Uh, and, and there are others. Uh, but then when we come to chapter 15, we have the last, actually, of the I am statements. And that uh, that uh, Jesus says uh, he is uh, the true vine, not just the vine, but the true vine. Now, this uh, metaphor of the vine or the vineyard uh, was used in several places in the Old Testament. Uh, and there, as here, Yahweh is the uh, vine grower or the farmer, as we have it in the Greek, Georgios, from which we get uh, the man's name, George. In fact, in Greek. Man, uh, the name George means farmer. Uh, but we have that in Psalms uh, chapter uh, uh, 80, uh, Jeremiah chapter 2, Ezekiel chapter 15, a uh, very famous passage in Isaiah chapter 5, 
Hosea chapter 10 and other places. Uh, and, the, and the point in all of these passages is that, that Yahweh is the farmer, farmer, and notwithstanding the care with which uh, he plants his vineyard and looks after it, uh, Yahweh's uh, vineyard, his people, Israel, uh, produce uh, sour grapes uh, that is uh, unpleasant fruit, as the sorts of uh, grapes that would set your teeth on edge. And of course, this sourness, this sour grapes is a metaphor for uh, disobedience uh, and uh, disharmony uh, with God. And this uh, seemingly gives a significance. I mean, this is indeed the background to everything that Jesus is saying here. Uh, and so when he talks about uh, the fact that he is the true vine, indeed, he knew what he was talking about relative uh, to the, the, the vine metaphor in the Old Testament. All of his disciples would have known and anybody else who might have uh, been listening in. Uh, that, that is to say that Jesus is the true vine. He's the one uh, that fulfills all the expectations of the Father. There's no sour grapes, uh, no disobedience, no disharmony. Uh, he does everything that pleases the Father. Uh, in fact, Jesus, uh, the, Father has, the Father says himself, and uh, at least two places at the baptism of Jesus and the transfiguration, this is my beloved son, and whom I'm well pleased. And so there's no disobedience. There's no disharmony. And as Jesus says, uh, even in this same gospel of John, in John's gospel, chapter 8 and verse 29, Jesus says, I do always those things that please the Father. And that not everyone is spiritually fruitful, not everyone who is associated with Jesus. I mean, Judas was associated with Jesus, as were other many others who called themselves disciples. And then when they found uh, Jesus in one way or another to be displeasing, they dropped off. Not everyone is spiritually fruitful. Uh, and the, the meaning of this is deeply connected to the, 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 the metaphor as we find it in history and its meaning uh, in the Bible. Uh, indeed, the, the vine metaphor is uh, uh, still applicable today, even as it was applicable in Jesus's day. And that seems to be the point that Jesus is making, that it still matters. This is what he says to his disciples, if you count yourself a disciple of Jesus. I, not long ago, I think it was at the end of last year, I was uh, reading something in Bible Study Magazine, which is a great magazine. Uh, but uh, Mark Ward is the editor of uh, the Bible Study Magazine. And this is what he said. I thought it was great. I scratched it down. He said, the great majority of the Bible was not written to me. <laughs> in fact, I think all of the Bible was not written to us. I, I, I wasn't at the church at Corinth uh, or I wasn't part of the community. Uh, to whom uh, John uh, gave his gospel. Uh, the great majority, he says, Mark Ward says, the, the great majority of the Bible was not written to me, but it was written for me, which is exactly the case. In fact, what we have in the New Testament, uh, to, to speak of it specifically, uh, is the ministry of the apostles, the messages that they spoke, and then finally it was written down. And so now we read and we hear the voice of Jesus because we hear. The, the preaching of the apostles are through the writings of the apostles that we have. And so this metaphor of the vine, as we have it through the, the, through the apostle John, uh, as he heard Jesus say it, 
uh, who, in fact, John was an eyewitness of, of this very thing that we're describing. The, the vine metaphor is still applicable today. And what does Jesus say? Notice again, verses one and two, and then verse six, Jesus said, I am the vine, the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser, and every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And notice verse six, and if anyone does not abide in me as, the, as, a, as a branch in the vine, he's thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. And so Jesus says that uh, uh, every branch that is associated with him in one way or another, every branch that's associated with the vine, uh, that, that not every branch uh, bears fruit. And, and when such a branch or such a person doesn't bear fruit, uh, doesn't bear spiritual fruit, uh, a person who doesn't reflect the character of the vine, I mean, that's what you'd expect uh, on the branch of, a, of, a, of, of an apple tree, on the branches of an apple tree that's uh, connected to, to the trunk of that apple tree, you expect apples. And so a vine that grows and the branches that come off of the grapevine you expect that kind of fruit. It's just natural uh, to itself. In this case, Jesus is the true vine. And so a fruit would be spiritual fruit, uh, fruit uh, or the character of the person uh, reflecting the character of the vine, reflecting the character of Jesus. And, and Jesus says that the father, the vine dresser, when this kind of fruit is not present, uh, removes uh, the uh, the 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 branch from the vine uh which seemingly suggests some sort of judgment this action on on the beha on behalf of on the behalf of on behalf of god in fact jesus uh, goes on to say that every branch that does not abide in him and doesn't bear fruit it's removed and thrown out and gathered up and burned in fact, this is what you probably do in your own back garden. Uh, if you have uh, fruit trees and so on, uh, you, you, uh, you, you, you cut away the, the dry wood and so on. And, and then you gather it up. Uh, and uh, if you don't throw it away, if you live out in the country, you may very well actually take care of it yourself and, and burn it. I was thinking that maybe uh, 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 reading from uh, John's uh, from uh, Matthew's Gospel, chapter ten, and what Jesus says there about a, the metaphor of the tree might help us understand a little bit uh, more, or get a better picture, or a fuller picture of the metaphor of the vine. Uh, but in uh, Matthew's Gospel, chapter seven, and beginning at verse seventeen, Jesus said this. He said, "Every healthy tree bears good fruit." And then picking up at verse 19, and every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And thus you will recognize them by their fruits. He's actually talking about false teachers, but false believers or whatever, you know them by their fruits. And Jesus is applying this metaphor. Verse 21, he says, and not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, not everyone who calls me. In fact, it remind, that reminds us of, of uh, what Jesus says in Luke's gospel, chapter six and verse 46. Jesus says, why do you call me, Lord? And you don't do what I say. Here in, in, in chapter seven of Matthew and verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. They won't all end up in the kingdom of heaven, Jesus is saying. 
but the one who does the will of my father. That's spiritual fruit. The one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. And on that day, the day of judgment, no doubt he's referring to. And on that day, many will say to say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? Didn't we do all kinds of stuff? Weren't we associated with you? Verse 23, and then Jesus says, and I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, that separation. You workers of lawlessness, you workers of iniquity. And so that's the first thing. Not everyone is spiritually fruitful. But then secondly, some are. And praise the Lord. Some are. Some are spiritually fruitful. Indeed, notice again in our text, beginning at verse 1, Jesus said, And I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me or associated with me that does not bear fruit, is, is, it, he takes it away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may, may bear more fruit. And you are already clean. In fact, the word prune and the word clean are basically the same word. You know, to clean, to prune a, to prune a bush or prune a tree, to prune a vine is to clean all of the dead away. And, and he says, and you are to his disciples, he says, you're already cleaned or you're already pruned, pruned because of the word that I've spoken to you. Verse four, abide in me. Don't be separated. Abide in me. And I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit uh, uh, by itself unless it abides in the vine. In fact, the, 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 you can't have a branch that's just hanging out there or closely associated with the vine. It needs to be in the vine so that the life and the sap of the vine flows through the branches and produces fruit on the branches. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine and neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches and whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit for apart from me or separated from me, you can do nothing. And if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. Verse seven, and if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And by this, my father, <laughs> the vine grower, the farmer, the Georgios, and by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. And Jesus says that those that are spiritually fruitful are those who abide in the vine, that are at home in the vine. The word, the word abide, meno, means to abide or to stay, remain. Uh, that is that uh, those who, uh, who, who live in true ongoing fellowship with Christ, the true vine. It's in the present tense, an ongoing fellowship. Uh, those in true spiritual communion with him, uh, like the like the vine that's connected, or excuse me, like the branch that's connected to the vine, in w in which case the the uh, the this the uh, the spiritual uh, fruit bearing uh, comes naturally. By the way, uh, it, it just happens. Uh, it ha what happens on the on on the branch happens naturally. 
because it's connected to the vine. What happens in our life, if we're connected to Christ, happens naturally. In fact, John Burke in his book, Soul uh, Revolution, wrote this uh, in, in, in relation to what we're talking about. He said, to him, Jesus, Jesus says, stay connected to me as a branch is connected to a vine. And when, and when we do this, the fruit grows naturally. He, uh, uh, Burke says, the branch doesn't have to strive to produce fruit. He says, if the soil is right and the branch is connected, fruit happens. And then he says, tongue in cheek, sounds like a bumper, a bumper sticker, <laughs> doesn't it? <laughs> And then Jesus says that those who are spiritually uh, fruitful are pruned, which is sort of an interesting comment. Those who are spiritually fruitful are pruned. And, and that, as he says in the text, that they might keep on bearing spiritual fruit. And presumably this, this pruning takes place uh, through the word. In fact, notice again, uh, verses two and three. And Jesus says, and every branch in me that does not bear fruit, the father, the, the vine grower, he takes that away. He gets that out of the way. But every branch in me that does bear fruit, he prunes. The father prunes it, that it might bear more fruit. And then he says, and you already are being pruned, are, are pruned because of the word that I have spoken to you. He says, you're being pruned or you have been pruned. You've been pruned. You're going to be pruned. <laughs> and this pruning takes place through the word. It's a very interesting thing, the word that gives direction and inspires and, and, and so on. In fact, uh, I was thinking uh, about the words of the Apostle Paul and uh, his last letter uh, to Timothy, Second uh, Timothy chapter 3 and beginning at verse 36, the Apostle says this, and all scripture, that is the word of God, all scripture is breathed out by God, theonoustos, is breathed out by God. And then he describes it. And the word of God is profitable for what? For teaching so that you that so you know what you need to know and, and for reproof. Uh, sometimes you need, need to be stopped and, and, and the word will just say, stop that. Hmm. Or for correction to say, don't go in that, don't go in that way, go in this way. And, and for training and righteousness. Verse 17, he says that the man of God or the woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Or if you like, we could say equipped for the bearing of good fruit. But it happens through uh, the word of God. Uh, Patrick Morley in his book, uh, Man in the Mirror, said this. He said, personally, I've never known a man. He was, And he's writing to men. This is equally applicable to women. Uh, he says, personally, I've never known a man whose life was changed in any significant way apart from a regular study of the word of God. The pruning of the word that brings change to the, to the vine and the branches. That makes, if you're talking about a tree, that makes the tree look different. And, and then it bears more fruit. This all happens uh, through the ministry of the word, which we need to submit to. And, and bring ourselves to it uh, so it can have its way in us. Uh, it was Charles Spurgeon who said something interesting. He said, oh, when, when I'm asked which is more important, prayer or Bible study, I reply this way, which is more important, <laughs> breathing in or breathing out? <laughs> and then so speaking of prayer, uh, Jesus says that those who are spiritually fruitful have a prayer promise. 
Very interesting. In fact, notice again verse 17. And if you abide in me, and of course those who abide in him are those who are bearing much fruit. If you, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, there's the word again. What we have now is the scripture. If you abide in me, if you're having ongoing fellowship with me, and my words abide in you, then ask whatever you wish or whatever you want, and it will be done for you, which is a very interesting expression. Uh, in fact, um, it was, um, well, I'll get to Morley in a second. Uh, but truth be told, and this is what Jesus is describing, uh, uh, those who abide in Christ, uh, who are who are abiding in the vine, as Jesus describes himself, uh, who are full of the word. In fact, it was the Apostle Paul uh, writing to the Colossians in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16. He said, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Those who are abiding in the vine and the word of Christ is dwelling in them. Those are the sorts of people that pray for the sorts of things that God is happy to grant. And yet uh, uh, granting them uh, not infrequently uh, or, or frequently, I should say, granting frequently in a way that uh, we might not have expected. He answers and he says yes, but uh, uh, frequently in a way uh, that uh, we aren't expecting. In fact, uh, again, uh, Morley in his book, uh, The Man in the Mirror, and he's commenting on uh, uh, the, uh, the, uh, God answering uh, a prayer that he and his wife uh, had prayed and, and God uh, was saying yes to them. But he, 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 said, he wrote this, he says, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's wonderful how God works. He says, he answered our prayer, but, but in a way totally different than we expected. And then, and then Jesus says that the, those that are spiritually fruitful glorify God, and that's an interesting thing. Uh, indeed, uh, notice um, uh, verse uh, eight, the first part of verse eight. And by this, Jesus says, "My Father is glorified that you bear much fruit." And so, the so the Father is glorified when we're bearing much fruit. It's not just us bearing fruit and and the Spirit and Christ working in us in a uh, uh, sort of a secretive way, you know, from the inside out, but God is glorified. It affects it affects the reputation, if you like, the reputation of God the Father when we're bearing much fruit. Indeed, somebody has written to glorify God is to show the world in and through your own life who God is and what God is like. I think, in fact, this is a specifically applicable. Uh, to us at Holy Cross, because of our our, our threefold motto, and what and what is that? Um, welcoming all, uh, transforming lives. I mean, that's radical. And when, then, what's the last one? Uh, glorifying God. And how is it that we, as members of Holy Cross Church, glorify God by bearing by by uh, 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 bearing much fruit? And by this, my Father is glorified, as Jesus says when you bear much fruit. The final thing that Jesus says, and is pretty much self-explanatory, uh, is that um, when we're bearing much fruit, uh, we are true disciples indeed. Notice again, verse eight, and by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove or show yourselves to be my disciples. 
when I was at uh, Dallas Theological Seminary, Dr. Hendricks uh, was telling a story about uh, his son when his son was younger, uh, that he was having uh, trouble reading. Uh, and so he made an appointment with uh, with his son's teacher at the elementary school, uh, and he went uh, went to the school to talk to the teacher about his son's reading problem. And somewhere along in the conversation, uh, the teacher said, "Well, what's most important is that you, your son be happy." To which Dr. Hendricks replied, "Well, I think my son would be happier <laughs> if he knew how to read." <laughs> And I think it's interesting in uh, in close context here to our to our own text that we were commenting on this morning in this same fifteenth chapter uh, of John's Gospel in verse eleven, uh, Jesus says this: "These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full." not infrequently uh, when we talk uh, on a subject like what we're talking about this morning people some people will feel guilty perhaps because uh, they don't feel like they're living up to what what we've just described or, or other people maybe will feel kind of put upon like oh my gosh you know i got one more thing to do but jesus's intent in saying what he's saying and calling us to what he's calling us to is plain and that is that in doing this his joy will be in us and that our joy will be made full. And I'm thinking that all of us could probably use a little more joy. <laughs> Amen. Spiritual fruitfulness. Let us pray. What an extraordinary thing, Lord, to think that, that, that from, from, you, from where you're sitting, <laughs> <laughs> to, to put it that way, to use this figure of speech, where, where, the, where the Lord is sitting, uh, that all of this is meant to bring us joy. Indeed, everyone who practices this knows that it does result in joy. And so while we're talking about a, a result of bearing spiritual fruit, which comes naturally as we abide in the sun and remain in fellowship with the sun, uh, the, the ultimate fruit, if you like, is joy, is joy. Think about what David Taylor wrote in his book on the Psalms, to be full of God is to be full of joy. Or what the psalmist said, that in your presence is fullness of joy. And, and the, the, the ironic thing is that uh, not infrequently we, we, we think of, uh, of the, the, you know, walking with God or, or obeying or, 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 or following his directives as sort of a, an onerous thing uh, rather than a thing that brings joy. <laughs> but it does. It brings joy. And so, Lord, uh, if we might, if any one of us might be of a different persuasion, in fact, uh, that would be one thing to pray about this morning. Uh, that you would convince us uh, that that's not true. Uh, we've been created in your image and likeness. Inside of us is a God-shaped hole. And until you fill it, until we walk with you in the way that you're always calling us to, until we stop <laughs> pursuing idols that can never satisfy, that joy will be stopped. That joy will be short-circuited. And so what we're talking about is not something that we have to do, but something that we get to do, a grand privilege indeed to abide in the sun, uh, that he might bear much fruit through us. And so, Lord, we help, we pray that you give us grace and help to do it. And we pray it all in his name. Amen.